in continuation with the um, series in anthropology, the study of men, tonight we're going to be looking at ethnicity and culture. Ethnicity and culture. I'll tell you, um, I hope tonight I'm able to do, I'll give a little bit of justice of all what I read up. There is so much information out there. So much information on what God has done, or oh God, oh, oh, oh God worked things out for us to have the world we enjoy to, in today, the diversity, and the really, really um, amazing way it worked all things together for his glory. We're going to begin, though, with reading some scripture that we're going to return back later on in this pre- presentation. Please go to the book of Genesis. We've got to go to the beginning of things. And we're going to read four scriptures, some in Genesis. Then we will go to 1 Corinthians. And then we go to the book of Acts. Read as you would with me, please. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife names Eve because she was the mother of all living. She was the mother of all living. Go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 4. Genesis chapter 5, verse 4. And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. Now go to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26. Acts, chapter 17, verse 26. This is Paul Part, we're going to read this verse, this verse when Paul is preaching um, in the Areopagus. And in verse 26, let's begin with verse 20, 24. Verse 20, 24, 25, and 26. God that made the world, as he was preaching, he says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, Dwelling not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and bread and all things. Verse 26 is key. And had made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and had determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Go to 1 Corinthians now, chapter 15, verse 45. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 45. Paul, writing this letter to the church in in Corinth, he, he writes... And he says, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, 
was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. During this presentation, we would like to answer some questions and go into some um, topics our time. Isn't it possible that we all descended from Adam and Eve? Is that really possible? Look at the diversity of shape and shades of color and, and body shapes that are here and color here or no here that are here. Are we really all descended from them? Where do the different skin tones and other physical differences in humans come from? How that happen? What does after his or their kind mean? Which is found in the book of Genesis about ten times it is mentioned. Where did Cain get his wife? Have anybody asked you that question before? Where did Cain get his wife? How oh, many races are there in the world? Tonight, I'm going to give you real data. Real data, a real number of how many races we have in this world. It is interesting as we look in this, um, uh, as we read the Bible, we can tell that there is a continuation or a real um, continuation of the subject that we all came from one man and one woman. One man and one, not many, just one. And the truth is, and the truth is that originally, if you go back to Genesis chapter 5, verse 4, when he says that Adam and Eve begot sons and daughters, originally, in the beginning, it was okay, approved to brothers that they could marry their sister or even someone of close kin. I don't know if you, if you know this, but Abraham and Sarah were of brother and sister, even up to that time. In the Bible, we find, see, click, there we go. Adam and Eve were made perfect. They were made perfect in the eyes of the Lord. Not only spiritually, but also physically. They have perfect genes. But something happened. We all know what happened, right? Sin. Sin came in, they disobeyed God, and that messed up everything. That turned everything apart, and the process of dying started. It affected not only them spiritually, but it also affected them physically. And then, over time, mutations and different mistakes in, their, in genes, in human genes, started happening, and this went increasing over time. And it wasn't, if you want to look up that verse, if you would please, go to Leviticus chapter 18. 
In Leviticus chapter 18, I think I have that verse here. In Leviticus chapter 18, there is where God gave the first prohibition of one marrying someone close to their kind. Leviticus chapter 18. Okay, let's see, Ray. Um, okay, Leviticus chapter 18, beginning with verse 1, if you would please. Leviticus 18, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, where you, wherein you dwell, you shall not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall you not do. Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall do my judgment and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. Here we see in Scripture during the time of Moses the prohibition that God gave specifically to the people of Israel to to marry close kin in order to procreate. We have a situation here where if we look at scripture, if we look at the world, we find this. We find different color eyes, this is di- different shades of color, um, different type of people, and all of this, the shape of this world, by the time of Moses, was not and is not what was originally. We are living in the third world. They say, what? No, we're living in America. But we are living in the third world. There is the original world that was made at the beginning that Adam and Eve enjoy. Perfect. Then sin came in and everything changed. The world started producing things and mankind by his judgment, know how to work by the sweat of his brow, like I'm doing t- t- tonight, you know, I'm sweating here, and work the field and so on. But then there is a third world. You say, which third world? Everything changed after the flood. After the flood, everything changed. If you go back to Genesis, you might remember for the very first time, they saw rain. It had not rained on the world before that. And probably because of that they never seen it, they didn't believe Noah. But water came from above and water came from below and the world changed. Not only that only eight people left, but also the shape of the world and a change also. Originally, after the time of Noah, things change. So now, the amazing thing here is that Adam and Eve, after reproducing and the world coming to that point, 
Now we have a genetic pool that is unlike anything. I want us to go, if you would please, in our biblical view, Adam and Eve was the first men and women. They had sons of daughter and daughters, and God told them, multiply and replenish the, the, the earth. Then the earth multiplied, but came down to just a number eight because of the flood. God eliminated, and from that pool of people, God replenished the earth up to the Tower of Babel. We're going to read two verses here. Genesis chapter 9, verse 17. Genesis chapter 9, verse 17. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I establish between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And the son of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Hapheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. So in a way, not in a way, in reality, we all descended from Noah's family. Please go to Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, all the humanity was at one place. In the, in the, in the field of Shinar. Building a city, Babel. Right there in the Middle East. All men gathered there and they wanted to be like God. I remember that in that occasion, the Bible said that God descended and let's read what he did. Chapter 11, verse 8. Let's begin with verse 7. God is speaking here. Go, go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. It was there where people groups got together and scatter over the face of the earth. Oh, I forgot to tell you something. You know what else happened after the flood that never happened before? Seasons started. There was a real climate change here on earth. A real, cli a real cli climate change. God says that after the flood, there will be what we enjoy here, the spring and the summer and the fall and the winter. Before that, they didn't have that. So now different regions of this great earth will have different seasons and climates. So when they got to Babel and God chastised men in this way, confounded and scattered them abroad by people groups, they're going to travel to different regions of this world and guess what? A process of adaptation is going to occur. And the other thing that's going to happen is that those people group 
will travel with their gene information and as they're mixed among themselves, their own genes are going to reproduce more of what? The same. After his kind, after their kind, it's mentioned about ten times in the book of Genesis, just in Genesis 1. After their kind, after his kind. You know, I am not a doctor, I am not a scientist, I am not a, to call it a biologist, but thank God I can read. And thank God God give us some understanding of how genetics works. A family can produce different kind looking, but of the same family. That's amazing. How many people here love dogs? Love dogs. I don't mean you like dogs. Love dogs. You love dogs. Okay. Um, there's a debate. What about cats? So many people love cats. More cat lovers? No, more dog lovers. So-so. Okay. There's a debate going on in the Edwards household for a cat. There's only one person opposed to the cat. I gather the person that opposed to the cat is the person that's going to end up taking care of that cat. <laughs> and that's why she doesn't want the cat. <laughs> but... The origin of the domestic dog from wolf has been established. Do you know that? We examine the, I have to read this, 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 this close. Mitochondrial, did I say it right? Okay, I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> DNA sequence variation among 654 domestic dogs representing all major dog population worldwide, suggesting a common origin from a single gene pool for all dog population. You know what that means? If you like dogs, and we have different types of dogs on this earth, different types, uh, the bush dog, that looked like a bear to me, but it's a dog. I didn't know that. My favorite, the Siberian Husky. I Huskies look cool. I like huskies. I think, Hannah, you like bulldogs, right? Of the pug. The pug one, the little-looking, crinkle, ugly-looking dog. But she loved that dog. All of those are you dog lovers. I hope you're surprised to know that all domestic dogs came from this. From the wolf. And they trace it to the wolf. Could you imagine? I was amazed to see that. A little chihuahua came from that. <laughs> God produced this. <laughs> I wonder how the wolf feels when he look at this. Say, oh, everything gone downhill here. The interesting thing is this, is that 
in contrast, in contrast with evolution, where everything came from nothing, actually, what the Bible proved and what this proved, the genetic load proved that there is a process that proved a downhill spiral. It is it, it always is a combination of data in more or less proportion. No new information added ever. All information, genes, can be traced back to our original. Like the dog. New, comb new combination of already existing information. That's what it is. New combination of already existing combination. Evolution says nothing came, I mean, everything came from nothing. Genes and those that study the DNA understand that everything came from something, from an original. More and more scientists find that the differences that set us apart are cultural, not racial. Some even say that the word race should be abandoned because it's meaningless. Dr. Venter, head of this Celebra Genomics Corporation, Rockwell in Maryland, and scientists at the National Institute of Health recently announced that they had put together a draft of the entire sequence of human genome, and the researchers unanimously declare there is only, how many? One race. The human race. That's what we have here. One race, one kind with different kind of people, with different people groups, but it's one race. But the more closely that researchers examine the human genome, the complement of genetic material encased in the art of almost every cell of the body, the more most of them are convinced that the standard labels used to distinguish people by race have little biological meaning. Little biological meaning. Different colors or same color, different shades? That's the question. So in this one race, do we have different colors or same color, different shades? What shade, not color, was Adam's and Eve's skin? Here is where we get into a little bit of genetics. Don't worry, I will go back to, to the Bible, which is my field. Okay, I'm just attempting to do a little bit of, you know, this for a few minutes. But I, I have got that question before. Look around you. Look how many different shades of colors you have in here. Personally, I think it's great. Tell you the truth, I think it's fantastic and it's great. It's amazing to really see a church so like multi-shade all over the place. 
Because if you go to the book of Revelation, it says that one day from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue, from every region of this world will praise, the, will praise God. Heaven look a little bit like this and even more. I hope you're happy. But what shame we're there with them? First, let's start by this. Let's um, change a little bit of our vocabulary. Because you see, it's shade, not color. It's people groups, not races. All are colored. Have you heard of something called melanin? We all got that in more or less proportion, but we all have it. It determines our skin shade. It determines our eye color. It determines our hair. Everybody gets it. But the most important one to me is the last one. We are related to everyone, not just close family. Folks, if we understand that, it will change the way we see people. It's as a church we live that and we preach that and we practice that. He will affect our community and who knows, maybe our nation. Because you see, Satan is playing us for full, dividing people by, by colors, by status, by all these things. And sadly, sometimes he creeps in into the church. But when I understand that I'm related to everyone, when I walk out the door, I am related to every single human being in Adam. We all related. In Adam, we all related. So I'm not going to see them like a stranger. I'm going to feel for them that they also need a savior just like I did. I will see they need, I will see their soul. I will see their future without Christ. And that then will dominate and carry my thoughts and my actions towards everybody in this world. Not just some. Because we're all related. This human fall, fallen race need a redeemer and that redeemer is Jesus Christ. And they all need it. Is Adam and Eve would have have only genetic information, lowercase a and b, both of them, they would have produced only light skin melanin children. If they would have have only uppercase a and b melanin information in their genes, they would have produced only dark skin offsprings. And here is where I find, as I was studying this, the marvelous work of our Lord, the marvelous Lord work of God. In the original, we have to conclude that God placed in Adam and Eve 
all the genetic information that within one generation they could have produced offspring children of all different shapes and colors. You know, as I was studying this, you know what I found out? Do you know how many children are you able to procreate? Scientifically speaking? You say, I'm done with two. I'm done with three. Actually, they found out that every human being could produce the number 10 at the, at, at, at the 2017 power number of children without either one of them looking alike or being the same. Should I say it again? The number 10 at the 2017 power, we all would like to have that type of bank account. <laughs> Children without anyone looking alike or being the same. Only God could do such a thing. Only God to put together something like this. Only God. What the fact show is that there are differences among us, yes, but they stem from culture, not race. From culture, but not race. You strip that melanin away, we're all the same people. Please watch this video, if you would please. It go a little bit fast. It kind of condensed everything I, I have said, but I want you to watch it, and then we're going to move on. I hear this one a lot. How can there be so many races in the world if we are all descendants of Adam and Eve? Well, check this out. First off, let's talk about the word race. Sometimes when people use the word, they mean supposed races of people who have evolved at different times, rates, and in different locations. That's not true. Of course, the word race is also a term we use to distinguish between groups with different physical traits, namely skin color. But are there really different races? Take a gander at Acts 17.26 where it is written that God, from one man, made every nation of men. It's clear then that the Bible teaches that there is one race, the human race. The Bible is also clear that all people on the earth are descendants of Adam and Eve who were created by God. Check Genesis 1, through 28. Easy enough. God created two people in his image, male and female, and told them to increase in number. So Adam and Eve are mom and dad of the human race. Then their children had children, and those children had children, and so on and so forth for many generations until, according to Genesis 6, 9, the world's population was reduced to eight people who were protected inside an ark during a global flood. And those eight people later walked off the ark, and according to Genesis 9.19, from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Oh, wait a second. What do I mean scattered? Well, jump over to Genesis 11, and let's talk about an event known as the Tower of Babel. Basically, because of the sinful actions of the descendants of Noah, the Lord confused their language and scattered them from there over all the earth. That's pretty clear and concise. Okay, so we've got lots of people who are descendants of the eight folks who came off the ark, and now they have been scattered all over the earth. That explains that we are still one race and that different groups of people ended up in different locations. But how do we get a bunch of different colored people if we are all one race? Well, follow along. This, of course, is a simplified explanation, but the basic principles are true. We all have a pigment in our bodies called melanin, which, depending on different variables, produces different shades of the one main skin color we all possess. Several genes control the amount of melanin produced and thus the variability in the skin shade. In fact, it's easy for one couple to produce a wide range of skin shade variability in just one generation, as we'll see in just a moment. Time for a quick genetics lesson. DNA is the molecule of heredity that is passed from parents to children. A child inherits 23 chromosomes from each parent. 
Each chromosome pair contains hundreds of genes, which regulate the physical development of the child. However, to illustrate basic genetic principles pertaining to the topic, we'll just talk about two genes, the genes that control the production of melanin. So, let capital A and capital B symbolize versions of the gene that code for large amounts of melanin, while little a and little b code for small amounts. Got it? Easy. Check this out. Take a look at the upper left. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B genes, and mom contributes capital A, capital B genes as well. Together, they will produce a child with capital A, capital A, capital B, and capital B. This is a kid with a lot of melanin, thus he will have very dark skin. Easy to see. Here's the bigger point, though. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B, and mom contributes little a and little b. Well, the child's skin will be middle brown shade, the combination of capital A, little a, and capital B, little b, which, by the way, represents a majority of the world's population. Not only that, but if each parent is capital A, little a, capital B, little b, the combinations that could be produced in their children could result in a very wide range of skin shades in just one generation. So... Since Adam and Eve were the first people ever, it makes sense to conclude that God placed in them a combination of genes that could produce all different shades of skin we see. Those same combinations would be present in Noah and the seven other people who boarded the ark. And because God dispersed people at the Tower of Babel, he dispersed the population, thereby isolating gene pools in the different people groups. Over time, different cultures formed in different locations with certain features like skin shade becoming predominant. And here we are today. And since we all go back to Noah and his family, it makes sense that we are all different shades of brown. One race, multiple people groups, just like the Bible teaches. Simplified for sure, but enough said. I hear this one a lot. Okay, done. There be so many races. <laughs> you know, genes is something that sometimes at home we laugh about. We look at our children and we can see your traits. You see your traits and where did they get that from? And I will say, that's you, honey. And she will say, that's you. Just the other day, one of our daughters did something that my wife was like, oh, come on, why you do that? And, I, and we start laughing because it was funny. I'm not going to say who it was or nothing just to preserve the privacy of, of the identity of the perpetrator. But we are still laughing. We are, we are still laughing. And then Julia went and said, and they all do it. I said, yes, they're all Edwards. That's from my um, gene pool. And it, it had something to do with food. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, as people were divided... They develop cultures, a set of values, beliefs, and traditions that are held by a specific social group and handed down from generation to generation. And there is where develop the ethnicity, along with the mixing of the same gene pool, the sense of identification identification that a cultural group collectively has largely based on the group's common heritage. So that's why in the world today we have so many different cultures, so many different ethnicities and that make this world so diverse. And culture can be, you can see it in the music, in the, in, the, in the way they're dressed. Just today in Trenton, there was a Latin American parade. We didn't know nothing about it. When we end up church and we walk out, so broad with, packed with people and music and people in custom, in their national custom and their music going done, um, so broad. So, wow, celebrating what? Their culture and their ethnicity. Now, 
music, clothes, etc. But I want to focus on food. There is nothing that um, draws people together more than what? Food, right? Food. And that talk about culture more than food. I remember years ago, exactly 1998, 26 years ago, I believe. 26? No, 24 years ago. Uh, I went to Peru, was the first country I visited. Um, I've been to, to the States, but the first Latin American country that I visited out of Costa Rica. I've never been to other Latin American country before. And I was amazed. They're so different. Please remember this. All Latinos are not equal, okay? <laughs> Please. They're not, we're not the same. <laughs> we speak the same language, but they're different culture in every country. And I went to Peru, and they invited me to dinner. And I sat there, you know, all happy for dinner, and this is what they put in front of me. No, 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 it was delicious. That's a guinea pig. That's a quee. And that's how it's served. At first, I had your reaction. I was like, huh? But then they say, pastor, pastor, it's delicious. Try it. And if you know anything, I mean, missionaries among us, Pastor Jim, you go to a people group and they give you food, you better eat that food. It's a big insult not to eat it. I remember her children, we went to Kuna Islands and they were one. Whatever they put in front of you, you eat it. Okay, daddy. Okay, daddy, but one time they put like a stew in front of us. We could not, was like monkey stew or something? Ah, Rabbi Pelao, some, some animal they caught in the jungle and they prepared it for, for, for us. And we look at it and we, we pray. We really did pray. And we move it and we say, and I look at their faces and they say, daddy, we can't eat it. I say, no problem, me neither. <laughs> And I say to the pastor, I'm sorry, but this is way above, you know, I guess we need more faith, but we can't eat this. <laughs> but food, then, if you've ever been to any Latin American place, this is lunch Latin style. And in some places, that's breakfast. Here in the States, you do pancakes and bacons. That's what breakfast or lunch look like. Three types of meat. You have the sausage, you have your pork, you have your beef, you have your eggs. Wow. My heritage is Jamaican, even though I was born in Costa Rica. My great-grands moved from Jamaica all the way, tra traveled to Central America to work in the banana plantation or the Panama Canal. So you would find dark-skinned people like me from Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, and Panama. We all settle in the Atlantic coast and live right in, in our, their own community. In fact, I'm the first generation, I'm sorry, my mother was the first gen generation that left the Atlantic coast to the, to the capital. I'm the first generation that studied all Spanish in the capital. My, my mother and father, they had to study English and Spanish because they live in that, in that area. Or food, oxtail. Oh, oxtail. Anybody know oxtail here? 
Ah, oh, you see, look who raised their hand. Well, we have a light melanin lady that no oxtail. But the dark, the dark melanin people, we know oxtail. We like oxtail with our white beans or lima beans in this stew with white rice. Oh, that feels good. We like this one. Do you know this one? That's a key and salt fish. That's a Jamaican thing. I love that thing. You eat that thing with green banana, yum. Oh, it's so good. Look at Pastor Crompton. He's like this. What are you talking about? <laughs> when I was in Bayonne, New, 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 New Jersey, I was the assistant pastor of People's Baptist Church, but at the same time, I was the youth pastor at a Korean church. And I used to go to preach there and be part of their, not learn a lot from their culture. This is the Korean table. That's their table. And if you look at the placemats, that's dinner for two. Only two placemats are there. Dinner for two. And they're so skinny. I never understood it. But it was amazing. Whenever they have their feasts or, or parties, well, we love going there. You see, different cultures. It is easier to maintain a culture of traditions and values where the people group of, are all the same. It's easier to maintain the traditions and values and so on, when the people group are all the same. Which brings me to the U.S. experiment. You say, the U.S. experiment? Oh yes, this is an experiment. I came here in 1990 for the first time. That was 32 years ago. I was special in 1990. He said, what do you mean I was special? I landed uh, in Miami, took a Greyhound bus all the way to New York uh, uh, in poor authority. They waited for me, and I went places, and everybody, was, I was, they were amazed at my skin color, and I could speak Spanish. Where are you from? I'm from Costa Rica. Oh, Puerto Rico, the island? No, Costa Rica. That year, we went to the World Cup. And a couple years before that, our president won the Nobel Peace Prize. So we were on the map. Oh, you're from Costa Rica, and you speak Spanish. And because I was able to speak Spanish back and forth, y volver a hablar inglés como si nada en el mismo, en el mismo lenguaje, and then go back to English with no problem, they were like amazed. I was so special. People invited me to their house. I went to Orlando. I went to Disney. I went to all the places. I went to Boston. They just wanted to sit with me and hear me speak. They love my accent. 32 years later, I'm not special no more. <laughs> Spanish people all over the place. Everybody speaks Spanish. I would have to go to Montana or somewhere up there to be special again. But you understand what I'm saying, right? People groups that stay together are able to maintain traditions and so on. And their values close by. That's the Mexican soccer team. Look like regular Latino person. The German team. They look German. 
the Chinese team. Look Chinese. The American team. <laughs> All shades and shapes. What a diversity. You know what that is? What a blessing. What a blessing. When before missionaries had to go to all over the world to preach the gospel and, 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 and reach people for the gospel, this country, this experiment, I'll call it experiment because I tell you what, when it's founded, it was not like this. A hundred years ago, it didn't look like this. Thirty-two years ago, when I got here for the first time, it didn't look like this. And I guarantee if the Lord tarry. A hundred years from now, it won't look like what we know today. And that's why it's so important for us. For, so important for us. Go to Romans chapter, chapter <clears throat> 1, if you would please. To understand what God has set before us. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We usually utilize these verses during missions month, but I wanted to remind us of the importance of it tonight. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The need of the gospel, the gospel is needed, folks. The gospel is needed to destroy the lies and the vision that have been planted by Satan. The only response, the only answer to all of that is the gospel. The gospel. 22 years ago, I had an experience that changed my life completely. The Thailand case. I was the youth pastor at this Korean church. And they took, we took 45 teenagers to Thailand. We landed in Bangkok, you see the map, and we went to Chiang Mai, all the way north of Thailand. We were going there to a people group called the Lahu people. They live in the mountains because the people from Chiang Mai don't like them because they are mixed bred people. This man that you see is Pastor Hong. Pastor Hong called me up to be the youth pastor of a church in 1996, 1997. He's Korean. His church is Korean. The logical thing will be for him to find what? A Korean youth pastor. He invited me to do a camp meeting for him. His wife met me at a bank. 
invited me to preach. They invited me to church one Sunday, spoke to the congregation. The congregation said, yes, we want you. And I was like, what? I can't do that. No, think about this. I was the one saying, I can't. At the beginning, it wasn't just because of the culture, but because I was Baptist and they were Presbyterian. He broke all tradition and protocol, you may say, of his kind in bringing me on. He said, no, it's okay. We want you. With him, we're still friends still today. He took me to Thailand. That's the group. When we went to Thailand, when we landed in Seoul, as I was walking with 45 looking Asian people, Asian kids, <laughs> that stopped me. They wanted to know what I was doing. Why was I, I'm talking 19, uh, the year 2000, 22 years ago. When we landed in, Bank, in Bangkok, that stopped me again. My kids, my youth group, had to walk around me so they kind of, they kind of look that I belong. <clears throat> Hard to do that. <laughs> we went to Chiang Mai. Let me explain this. We left JSK on a Monday at midnight. We landed in Bangkok in, on Wednesday. I lost one day. Wednesday morning. Wednesday night, we took a train 12 hours to Chiang Mai. Thursday, we took some, some little trucks for six hours to our location. We slept there. Wednesday, uh, Friday morning, we took a boat and then a ride to cross a river. You're going to see the ride now. And then we walked five hours up a mountain, muddy mountain, to go to these people, you know, for what? To preach to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are some of the mountains you could see in my face. It was not easy. We had to ride one of those to cross the river. You got motorcycles, you got four, four by four trucks, they got elephants. When we went into the villages, they did not expect us there. There's no way to tell them we're coming. No cell phone, no nothing. I'm talking the year 2000. When the group walked in and they saw me, Literally, you ever seen that cartoon where mamas grab their kids and close the door and close the windows? I experienced that. Because you see, they have never seen anyone visited them of this kin's shade. Never. The others, Korean, look like them. Asian looking. Same skin tone. But who are you? Or what are you? Folks, it was because of a group of children. There is maybe a reason why the Bible says you've got to be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. A group of children that was curious enough to say, i never seen anyone like you. And walk up to me and start pinching my hand, playing with my hair. I had hair. And they play with my hair. And then, jumping around, somebody took that picture. 
I treasure that picture. They're jumping. Look, I look the same. No. <laughs> Somebody took that, that picture. Those kids came up and started playing with me and touching me and touching my hair. They broke the ice. They broke the ice. And for the next two weeks, we were able to preach in villages all around up there in the mountains. And even in this particular one, that was the first time a church was being planted there and it was the first time the gospel was being preached in that village right there. Folks, the cause of Christ is above my culture. Okay, the cause of Christ is above my culture. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 if you would please. I'm going to be running a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, where is 1 Corinthians now? Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse to verse 16, if you would please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. It says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power of the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all men, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under law, I said under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might be all means, save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Folks, the cause of Christ. The cause of Christ. Paul said, I made myself to all men so I could win the more. Yes, we love our cultures. But let me remind us that all cultures are stained with sin. All cultures are stained with sin. We're humans. We're humans. In my culture, salsa merengue is it. You don't want me up here dancing salsa and merengue. My legs will love it. But what would it do for the cause of Christ? Would it lead them to Christ or away from it? We got to filter 
everything that is done in culture through the word of God. Through the word of God. And for this, there is something that is often not talked about and it's called discernment. Discernment. Sometimes people want it in black and white. Tell me where does he say I can't do this or that. Tell me where does he say I can't go here or there. Tell me where does he say where he does, where I cannot practice this or that. Listen, folks, God has given us the spirit of Christ. We can use wisdom from above and have discernment. Proverbs tell us, be not wise in your own. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 12. And verse 19 and 20. Paul talking there. We're not going to look it up because of time. If you want the reference, I'll give it to you later. All things are expedient. All things are level for me, but not all things edify. Just because I have the right and the age to do it, that doesn't mean I must. Just because I have the ability to do it, that doesn't mean I should go, I should filter and see what effect is going to have this for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Sadly, we use less and less discernment nowadays. First John chapter 2 says in verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because everything that, er, that is in the world, the love of what? The flesh, the vain glory of life, the lust of the eyes, is of the world and not of God. And the world passes what? Away. But he that doeth the will of God shall dwell for all long? Forever. Forever. God has given us a ministry. God has given us a ministry. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 20, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. No one that is really called from God, no one that has really left darkness into light, live for their own. We live for Christ. So it's more important, more important than my skin tone, more important than my culture to lift up the name of Christ. And in this world that we live, that Satan has stirred up and fooled so many that divide us. And they say ridiculous, stupid things. Because that is what sells. The church had to be the example of how it's done. Oh, God intended to do. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, having Jesus' mind changed the way we look at people and love people and treat people. Are you not clear about that? I invite you to go back to last week's sermon by Brother Jim about the that subject matter. Oh, everyone by us deserve to be loved. There in Corinthians, Paul said, the reason this is so is because the love of Christ constrained us. 
God loves my love to him and he loves towards me. Make me want to do it. Make me want to love you. We got to overcome, say Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Be not, in closing, let's read it. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. You know this verse. We're even going to read from verse 9, but listen to what verse 21 in conclusion, talking about dealing with enemies and people that are contrary, people who are difficult, people that evil, people that, 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 that want to hurt us or do wrong. He writes, he said, be not, over, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? But overcome evil with what? With good. With good. With good. Filter not your actions based on the word. Filter your actions. I'm sorry. Filter your action based on the word of God. Not CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or New York Times or Washington Post or Twitter or Facebook or Biden or Trump. The word of God is supreme. And it's the word of God that should dictate the way we live, the way we love others, the way we accept others, the way we lift up the cause of Christ. As I said, there is so much there. Hopefully, this helped. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us this time and thank you for this congregation. Thank you for the diversity of your place here at Faith Baptist. Thank you for bringing your servant here. Thank you, Father, for the potential of what can be accomplished through this church for the kingdom. Help us, Lord, to always keep that in mind. Help us, Lord, to that to be our guideline. Jesus, you, the kingdom. Bless everyone here, and thank you again for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.